I started off at 12 caddying. You're not supposed to be able to caddy to your 15 in New York State. But what I did is I decided while I was caddying, I'd walk around the golf course. If I found balls, I'd take the balls, put them in my pocket. And I actually eventually got to enough uh, money that I went and bought myself a ball retriever for the ponds. I collect all the balls. And when I go caddying, I'd tell the guys I'm caddying for, hey, I got some good balls here. Are you interested in buying a few? So I pick up a few extra dollars. You know? Hustling. Hustling. <laughs> and how old were you? 12. All right. Well, let's do a little backstory. Um, so we're here with John Pace, and uh, where where did uh, where'd you where'd you grow up? Like, give, I grew give up us in little... uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, right on the Susquehanna River, a little town called Sare, S A Y R E. Okay. Uh, middle of nowhere, about two thousand people. The railroad and the hospital were really that was it. That was where you went to work. And uh, McDonald's didn't get there to something like Lincoln eighty something. I mean, it took a long ass time. Hillbillies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know, a downtown area, and then they eventually built like a shopping plaza outside the town. And the poor downtown then went to crap because everyone started shopping at Walmart and Kmart. <laughs> and the... so when it commercialized, uh... it got commercialized. Oh, that's hilarious. That's so hilarious. in in school. You, did you go to the local school? Like, how yeah. many people were in that school? Uh, my graduating class was 160 people. Yeah, that's... And that was one of three towns. It was Athens, Sarah, and Waverly, and it was always the big sports rivals between the three of them, but 160. And uh, my guidance counselor said uh, I wasn't really ready for college and probably should just go work for the railroad and stuff like that. So did you work for the railroad at all? Yeah, I did. Okay. I worked uh, every summer. Do? Uh, once I got of age, I okay. could work. Uh, I worked the ra- railroad. I worked the section crew. The worst job I had in the railroad was, and my dad was a plant manager there. He had worked himself up from labor to plant manager okay. over the years. I never went to college. He said, okay, your job is going to be cleaning out rubbish cars from New York City, Boston, and Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, these rubbish cars, bad job, These dude. rubbish cars had rats that were somewhere in the 12-inch <laughs> long range. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm talking rats, about, real ra- I mean, real rat. And the yeah, problem the rats, was is when they have the baby rats, okay, they get pretty territorial and oh, they'll yeah. come at you, okay? Oh, yeah. So we had to wear these, like, braces around their legs, braces with gloves with another brace here so they couldn't go up. Uh, obviously, a hard hat and glasses. And all we had to swing was a rake. So you're digging this shit out of the rail, out of the rail car. Out the, they're going to burn it because we're a little town out in the middle of nowhere. They figure they can get rid of their trash somewhere else. <laughs> And uh, we would dig it out, and we would be we challenge the rats once we got near the back of the cars, because they would still be down there. And then once we started pulling towards the back, they scattered. And that's when you just try to pick them off with a rake over the top of the head. <laughs> yeah, but if they get through, it's like whack them all, man. If they get through, it's no joke. <laughs> that's right, it was no joke. Yeah. <laughs> they so throw how, down. How yes, long did did you do that? I did that two summers out okay. of the four summers I did the did the rake. All right, I got an idea. How about we switch up to maybe like the. Like the start of John Pace, like so, uh, you know, you you grew up. Like, give us the grew up, maybe what you did a little bit in high school, and uh, what pushed you to do maybe things you might have done in your career so okay. far. Like whether that's a right. business endeavor or whatever, you know what I mean? Okay, so grew up in a family with uh, five brothers. Okay, double duplex house. Mom and dad. So things were tight. Mom didn't work. Dad did. Twenty-one first cousins. We all lived in the same town. Everyone was a male but one, one female. Dude. Grandma lived down the street from us. My uncle's all down the street from us. My grandma had a big big garden in the back. And every holiday, we went to grandma's, man. That was where you hung out. Grandma she was Pace. very family. Very family-oriented, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably what got me into what I do is my dad did carpentry work and remodeling on the side. 
he worked for the railroad, but he did this on the side because we needed extra money. And we got to experience that as we got older and work so with them. Did that develop your like sort of like entrepreneurial side of life, like as in? Because I know you, you, you've been involved in multiple businesses, and I would say not entrepreneurial. It was my first taste of what building construction was like, and I loved it. I loved okay. nailing. I loved working with my hands. I loved making things. I like to see the final product. Mm -hmm. It was really good. Now, you can remember at the same time, I'm also into model rocketry, and my brother's into rocketry also. Because we both are looking at being engineers, and he's much older. He's seven years older than I am, my one brother. So I'm also working with my hands with rocketry, thinking, well, maybe I can be an aerospace engineer. And then thinking about, well, oh, man, I really like working with my hands. I can build bridges and stuff right, like right, that. Right, right. So everything is focused on engineering, building, and being part of something. Had I not done that, I would love to have been what you're doing. I would yeah. love to build homes, remodeler, build homes, design, get that whole concept. I would have been, I'd enjoyed it. If I couldn't do what I'm doing today, I'd either do what you're doing or I'd be running a mill workshop. That'd be the two things I'd do. I, I wouldn't mind doing either one of those either. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. So, so from a family standpoint, I mean, we, we didn't have a lot. We had, one, we had one bicycle between myself and my, my younger brother who's two years younger than me. Until that bike got trashed by the a car in the driveway, rolled over it, and then we didn't have a bike anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, gone. Like, yeah, it shouldn't have ran over that, bro. <laughs> like, you, you, you messed up. You messed up. And, and I was, uh, I wasn't a, uh, a wild kid. My, my younger brother was a little more, was much more wild than I was. I was pretty calm. And what you see now is John Pace was not John Pace growing up. I was very insecure. I was extremely quiet. I was very reserved. And I stuck to myself. I read constantly. I was in the books other than working with my dad or building things. You're trying to only. learn. You're trying to learn as yeah. much as you could. But I was a geeky kind. I was more geeky probably than – I mean, I, I played sports. I ran track and cross country, but I was more of a geek than I was. It's fine. You were developing so other type of skills. Yeah, I was totally a geek. I was. I was nerdy guy. I was too. Really Walk around with computers on my back and stuff. Yeah. Does that make you a geek? No. I mean, you I were did. probably one of them. I did. I did. <laughs> you were probably one of them. I, 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 didn't date, I didn't date in high school. No, okay. I went to the prom my senior year because the girls in our high school said, "You got to go to the prom." I said, "Yeah, it's not my thing." My so I said, "I." So I went with, uh, I went with a friend of the family's daughter uh, to the prom, and uh, you know, it's just that's who I was. I, I didn't do all that stuff, and then once. So you got through high school, and then what happened? Went to college, went to Lehigh. Okay. Very immature. Uh, okay. Was told that I probably wouldn't make it, which I love the challenge. Now, so all of a sudden, someone said, you, you can't make it. That's it. And now you push. We'll get it. So I, I uh, worked hard, really hard at Lehigh. But I also grew up at Lehigh, and I started to mature uh, better, and everything started to develop and started dating a little bit. Uh, four years. got I almost, I'll give you a little story. While I was in college my freshman year, uh, second semester, my appendix ruptured. I had gangrene peritonitis and almost died. So what I did is I recovered, lost, I went from like 168 to 125 pounds, and, but recovered. And that summer, because I couldn't work, I, the college agreed to let me study from home, look at all the, get all the books, call the professors if I needed them, and then come back to school in August and take the finals from my sophomore, my freshman year, take the finals, all of them, and if I passed them, I could go right into my sophomore year. And that's what I did. So you must have been a nice guy way back then, too, huh? 
well, I was, they, they liked, they, they liked me. They know I wanted to, I'd work hard at it and I'd do the best I could. So I did it and I passed them and started right into my sophomore year, That's which awesome. was big. Cause otherwise I would have been more than four years and we didn't have the money to, to pay for my college education. I came out of college with a huge debt, huge debt. Uh, so got through college while I was in college I met a girl, really liked her. You know, we started dating, got pretty serious. I go to Pittsburgh. She dumps my ass. So. <laughs> That's and you that's suck. and that's where <laughs> and that's when I became extroverted. That's at the point I say, you know what? I don't care about never nothing. again in my life am I gonna someone trample on my butt. <laughs> yeah, ghetto Johnny. I am. I'm done with this. So, people so that was next. That me. was the birth of next level John. That was the birth of John being more outgoing, speaking, talking, challenging, and knowing he has to find his path in life. He's not going to be this geeky, introverted guy anymore because he's been stepped on enough. I mean, in high school, I'll give an example. I mean, guys, you say, hey, hey, Pace, uh, let's go. I'll play in basketball. I'll spot you nine to ten. Uh, I'll kick your ass. But come on, let's go do it. So, so let's, so let's, let's re- for, fast forward, okay? Okay. I'm out of college. I'm down at school. I'm, I'm down at uh, Pittsburgh now. But I come back to hometown. And the guy who said this to me, I'm out playing some basketball with some of my buddies. He goes, Let's have a little game. I said, let's have a little game. <laughs> now I'm six, one and a half. I can dunk a volleyball because I've been really working at my, my basketball game. Because you're getting beat by this guy, huh? And this guy now is putting on a little weight, and I haven't. And so we crush him. This My, my buddy Soapy, Mike Soprano, myself, play him and this other kid, and we crush him. So what's the guy doing? Get done. Okay, let's fight now. Come on. Let's have a let's fight. <laughs> let's fight. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm you not gonna lose that. again. Yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm gonna leave well, now. We talk about stretching limits all the time. We were just talking about it yesterday. Of like you get to a point where some people just never stretch to that next limit. Like you just you just you just keep trying to see where that where that and you know, you never just never you just kinda like you're there and you're like, Well, let me see if I do this, what happens? And there's a lot of people that don't do that. To stretch that we limit. feel it it leads to like that's like where the magic happens so to speak because through that stretch you learn things you learn what mainly what not to do right yes. like when you stretch it tells you don't do that again don't do that again you can't go that far idiot you know what i mean yeah. like yeah when but if you don't never stretch you, you get i feel like you get complacent so you might still Get better at whatever you're doing. But I think until you push it and then get into that stretching point, like you technically won't won't evolve, so to speak, as fast as you possibly could because you're not as a person. Yeah, you're just not you're not you're not Some people are afraid straining of that. yourself. The fear will hold you back from hey, I'm not that kind of person. But then you're like, Well, what if I what if I was that person? How would how would I live my life? Yeah. Right, which is great. So I think stretching the limit is key to um, personal growth, which is what you're saying. Basically, you're like, nope, I'm not going to be that person anymore. <laughs> this is me now, you know. Because it wasn't po- normal to you. But this is, this no. goes back to you also, because when did you start uh, the business? It, you I was were, 50 years you, old. And so. That's not usually. No. Well, I can tell you that. I can tell you you're some outside other, the box, homie. I can tell you some other cool stories. Okay, wait. Hold on, hold on. Stay on track on that. I'm, I'm what was, what's track. going on? Go ahead, go so ahead. So you're talking business and stretching it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Because that's the personal side of stretching. Right. Let's talk business yeah. side. Go ahead. So I'm working at this. I start off as an engineer out in the field doing surveying. Not challenging enough. So I decided to take this staff engineer position for a company called Pittsburgh Corning Corporation. And the position is we want you to develop a you're good, you're low good. temperature panel 
for processing plants, cold storage, freezers, coolers, that type of stuff. At the same time, we want you to work with Anheuser-Busch, Miller Brewery, uh, Oscar Mayer, uh, Mrs. Paul's Fish and Chips, and so on and so forth. Uh, in troubleshooting projects where they use our product, it was called foam glass insulation. Foam glass LT was the panel we developed, a foam glass insulation, where they use them in their breweries and everything else. They wanted us to, they wanted me to be the troubleshooter and travel over the United States, look at these projects and how, what happened and how can we fix the problems during the construction phase or whatever else. Or like Make up in, efficient or something. Yeah, like yep. up in uh, Labatt's Brewery up in Canada, got hit by a tornado. You got to get up there and they got to get back in service. The uh, fermenting cellar is losing temperature rapidly. What can we do quickly and then what we can do long term? So I would fly and do all these kind of uh, troubleshooting things, which was kind of cool. So I did that. And then after that job, I went to a company called E.G. Smith. I stayed in that whole realm of field construction type of a thing. And then they were more commercial. But this is where the first challenge came up in my life. I had been in uh, the field construction for a couple years and been pretty successful in making profits in every project they gave me. And they said, you know, we need someone from, out, from, from the field to go into the plant and become a plant manager for this facility and to stage the product coming to the field so it meets the needs of the, the guys putting it on the wall. Because we're putting stuff out there in the field and it's the wrong stuff at the wrong time and we're wasting money and wasting time. You've been in the field. You know what's needed. Take your knowledge into the plant. I said, but I don't know, how to, I don't know anything about running a plant. Well, we want you in there. I was 27 years old. Nice. It's a $80 million wow. facility, and I'm 27. And they said, we want you to run this and do this. I go, holy crap. <laughs> well, at 27, I got rid. But that didn't stop you. Right? No, it didn't stop me. I, I did the job. I went. At 27. At 27. Didn't, you didn't go, oh, this is too scary. No. That's what he was talking no. about. You were like, right, I let's I, do this thing. I took the job and, and kind of cleaned house. I got rid of people that were been there like 15, 20 years. And they're older than you. Oh, much older than me. <laughs> and I was saying, uh, I mean, I, like, I, the, one guy. Guy, the one guy said, I'm sorry, Norm, but... You know, you you just aren't. You just walk around. You don't do anything. You know, I can do that. <laughs> do anything. I gotta go. Get out of here. So, so that was the Not first. Okay. So then, I do plant manager for a while. Very successful. The plant is doing what's supposed to be doing now. The people are cultured and how to furnish the field. So now they say, we age of thirty, they go, okay, we want you to be a vice president now for all the plants. I go, whoa. Yeah, but I said, yeah, okay, why not? Let's give it a try. Take the now, challenge. Yeah. I'm 30. The other VPs were all in their 50s and 55. I'm like, whoa. So I was the new VP. This new VP, no, there's no company car. There's no country club membership. There's no nothing. You're the new, the new wave of VPs at mm. G. Smith. But that was okay because I knew it was going to be a learning experience. <laughs> You all right? Wave. You all right over there? <laughs> New wave of VPs. You don't got a country club membership. You ain't got a car. You just got a job. You got, got a job. You're 30. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Keep it moving. And I had You're a, a nice label. I had a, a Subaru was my car. And uh, the first big project I had, and the reason I got rid of the other vice president, they said our foam glass LT panel, was a, it was an insulated panel with aluminum skins on it or steel skins on it. I think, yeah, they were steel, not aluminum, excuse me. And it was used for mid-rise uh, office buildings in interlock. Well, the foam and the the metal skin were not bonding, and big blisters were happening all over the sides of these buildings. And they say, your job, your first job is to fix that problem. Oh, 
what the heck? I, I don't know what's going on. I was, I was working in the other metal plant. So I, what I did, though, is, is I, you know, and I had some very good mentors in my young days. I didn't mention that, but I had some super mentors. So I went to Bayer, which is the big foaming guys here in Pittsburgh. It's called Covestro now, I believe. And I got together with their foaming group. I said, okay, here's the challenge. We have to make this panel right. We have to get the bonding. You guys are the experts at it, not me. But if you do it, if you solve this problem for me, we'll buy all our foam from you. Because we were losing hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. in the field. I'm going to yeah. say tens of thousands. Well, that's why they put you on it. Right, fix this. It's a problem. So, <laughs> that's a huge liability. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. <laughs> so I used to, I stayed down in Cambridge, Ohio, where the plant was. And I did these fireside chats, I called them. I would send out a voicemail to all the vice presidents of what was going on and what our progress was every two or three days. And i just drop them a quick little line. And cause remember, there's no emails or none of that crap. And it was just a regular phone. And there's so, no emails. There was none of that no? stuff. No, not back then. Wow. We're talking the 1970s. Okay. Uh, no, in the 1980s. <laughs> We're talking 79, 89. I don't think you were even born. No. He's doing, <laughs> he's doing group messaging. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Way before, yeah. yeah, we're sending group voicemails out. <laughs> I, mean, I got I, you, bro. I had my first... I, I actually had my first computer with this company in 1985 with Symphony and Lotus Notes. That was our two mm -hmm. pieces of yep. information on the, wow. on the computer. So I, I was very success, very lucky, and, and had a great team behind me that we fixed this foaming problem. Uh, at that point, the company was looking at being acquired, a, uh, a couple companies merging together. They were looking at kind of uh, trying to consolidate operations because the building products industry for commercial buildings was not doing well. Uh, they wanted to shrink everything. I'm not the shrinking kind of, I like to build, I don't like to compress. And they decided to move on from there. And that's when I went to Napco Building Products and got my first real taste of residential building. Yep. So you have how many kids at this point? <clears throat> Uh, I have Josh's 1984. My daughter is 1989. Yeah, six, seven, eight, nine, 1989. So I have two, and I'm getting ready for. We'll have a third one not too far from now. Okay, and so your what's your daily life at that point? Is it I'm up at four and uh, leave at five, or is it nine to five? Is it oh, it's forever? Never it's, it's never ending. It's, never, it's not nine to five. Is it though. nine to five now? No. <laughs> that's a joke no my, my oh, life no it's not and so so you're not coasting huh even oh, even okay right. you heard my week right i told yeah. you my week I oh i know it. i'm trying to get it out there for everyone to know that it's, right. well, it's okay. not that you've been well, doing okay. so yeah. my week my week here i was in canada early in the week i knew i had to be back in pittsburgh thursday earlier for, in the week two days ago yeah, <laughs> yeah. i say so uh tuesday wednesday i'm in canada i uh figure I need to get back here to help Brian with the Instagram and get going, or the uh, meetup, Instagram meetup. So I leave at 9 p.m. from Canada and drive to 1.30 in the morning and get home, unpack, get up the next morning, come to work, and be with you guys mm -hmm. for training and Instagramming and plant tours and everything else. Stayed out with you guys last night, got up this morning early, uh, did my daily routine. I have a very, very regimented routine in the mornings. But that has sort of been the same from day one almost. Oh, it has, actually, it was probably even more aggressive early on because there... Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Like, when you decided, like... Because at some point you realized, business? I have to do it like this or it's not going to work. When was that? Oh, that was way back... I've always had a structure to how I work, okay? okay Being ahead, an engineer. Give it to me. Go ahead. So, even when I had children, my whole structure was there's certain priorities in my life. Family was a very high priority. Faith is a very high priority. 
and my work is also a very high priority. So I have to balance all those. And that's right, even right, quite right. of a balancing act. So if I had to be to a job down in Charleston, West Virginia, when I was doing the field work for E.G. Smith, I would get up at 1 in the morning and I'd drive to that field job, do all my work at 7 a.m. by the time I got there, and then drive back to be back in time to see maybe Josh play uh, a little game of basketball or my daughter do a dance thing or something else in time to make sure I got that in. Well, now, I got to tell you another thing. So a lot of this stuff happened when I, we bought our first house in 1979. Josh was a few years before that. But in 79, we bought our first house. I decided to build a 90-foot-long retaining wall, 5-foot tall, and then step it up the side of this hill and build a garden up on top with steps up to it because mm. the backyard was really small. So I'm going to swipe it and borrow these ties in. So I'm trying to manage that. My wife, who wants to have children, and then at the same time, my job, which is traveling all over in construction projects. So it was super easy. Is what you're so saying. It was all I mean, this you stuff. were home at 4.30 every day no. to eat yeah. dinner with your wife <laughs> every day. Yeah, if I didn't have the wife I have, I You'd would lose, not be. Right? I would lose. I wouldn't be where I am today. She has been the most receptive to what I do in life. I mean, awesome. she's been phenomenal. I am very, very blessed to have her. It's awesome. Super. We've been married 40 years, by the way. Uh, hey. So it's it been shows. pretty good. So, uh, so, yeah, I've always managed that. So when I started this business at the age of 50, and why did I start this? Because I, I knew that no one's going to hire me. And I, I had already helped out a company grow from 25 to $100 million, And then they sold the business for basically $100 million. And I knew it, it was my, I figured it was my time now. It's my time to try something and, and, and you know, be my own boss. Skills and see what we come up with. And try to, try to at least, and, and I didn't know the finances, so one of the guys from NAPCO was really the financial, and, and he was like a, a sounding board for things, but I knew what we wanted to do, and I knew, and we had to have a really good sales guy, which we did get in Rick Capers, and we wanted to do some other things, but yeah, you get a vision, you know what it wants it to be. I mean, I can tell you, I told our uh, first employee, Anthony Osso, who uh, in 2000, he came with us in 2004, in 2006, I said, don't get comfortable here, because in a couple more years, we're moving out. And he goes, yeah, sure. I said, I'm telling you, a couple more years, we're gone from here. We're going to build a really cool plant. We're going to be big. I said, we're going to get there because I can see it. So we, I mean, to this day, Anthony says, he goes, I thought you were full of crap. He goes, I had not a chance that was ever going to happen. So I'm sure when you decided, hey, look, this is not, you, you, you're a hard-working person. You understand uh, you have a really good work ethic. You probably have a bunch of values behind all that working and trying to do um, uh, the coordination between family and, and work-life balance stuff. So you've been doing that for a, a bunch of years, and, and the company sells the thing, and you're like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with all these people that I worked for and helped them out, make a bunch of money, and now it's my time, right? And you were like, well, and you, did you look at it like, uh, this is so risky, but I, I have a, there's something that's just drive. The, you, it's well, risky. Because, yeah, we put, every, we put yeah. everything we had. I had a son going to college. Daughter and, both daughters are in uh, Catholic, well, one is Catholic school. The other one is going to be getting ready to go into Catholic school. She's a little bit younger. Uh, so I've got that expense also. We have this house without the outdoor living area we're sitting in right now. Uh, and a mortgage on this house. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, very risky. But I said, honey, my, I didn't tell my wife everything, so that's not a problem. <laughs> but I, we put up our savings. I didn't tell her we put the house up, but we mm -hmm. did put the house up. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other guy who was really the, the major financial guy, he had the money, so he didn't put up to that. But he also put other money on the line and, and risked it. What and was your thoughts if it didn't work? 
What were you going to do? I'm going to get right back up on my feet. I'm going to do something else. I know I could do it. I know I can do something, but I wasn't going to let it deter me from like some people just, oh, that's it. I'm done. I give up. No, 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 no. I, I just tried it again or done something because at my age, who's going to hire a guy at 50 years old? He's been a you know, former VP of companies. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. Your, I believe it was also your, your, your mind state. So like you already helped somebody turn a business into. Oh, yeah. Two, two guys. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you, what else was there to do? Like, it it made sense, and then mm -hmm. you had to find out. And I believe you said what you did was figured out, like, there was a whole figuring out process of what you wanted to do at that time. Yeah. You want to get into that? Yeah. Well, and I believe everything in life happens for a reason. I'm Correct. Still, I'm still a very big believer in that. Correct. It, it, has, it does. It's not like we it's have true. a path. It's, it's We're on a path that's already been determined for us. So I... Uh, uh, the 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 old man John Wolf Senior who ran Napco he like he and I got along well we had a really good time he was a phenomenal guy and he was a really good mentor as well he gave me free reign when I was at Napco to go build plants hey go figure out how to make vinyl siding take whatever you need let's get that thing built I know you can do it and I would come back with him with a whole differentiation for vinyl siding so we're not going to go with the current color pad of vinyl siding I went to PPG the newest colors ten years out for homes are these that's what we're going to use. And I'm not going to use that crazy embossing pattern. I found this really cool one up at Roland Engraving in Rochester. We're going to use this. Now, his son was like, oh, no, no. we got to be like everybody. I said, no, no. we got to be different from everyone else. And the old man said, I like that. That's what we're going to do. John's right. Because so. he's a smart guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he, gave me the, he gave me the free reins. So he, I really liked him a lot. Well, he told his son, and his son told me this. He goes, you need to go give John a call, and the two you get back together again and go out and do something. So Jimmy called me up and... We first looked at businesses that weren't in our wheelhouse. Everything but building products. Wrong move. We yeah. wasted six months doing that, six to nine months. <laughs> so then we go in 2002 to the JLC show, or excuse me, the IBS show in Vegas. And Jimmy is, I will, I'm really looking at doing decking. I said, I'm not doing decking. I said, that's the way we're going. I'm out of business. Let's walk the show. And, let's <laughs> I'm out of business. I'm not getting involved with that crap. No. No. Let's walk the show and see what's here. We, you know, let's keep our minds open. So we walk in, we see this ASEC booth. We have contractor badges on. And Ralph Bruno's there and some other sales guys, and we start talking. And uh, he gives us samples and glues and everything else. And we walk away, and I said, that's it. I said, that's it. I don't go any farther. There's nobody else in this whole show doing it but them. <laughs> We're going to become the next PVC trailer. So it was, it, was a, it was a blue ocean at that point, like... There weren't very many players in that game. No. So you're like, we can play this game. Yeah. I guess Coma was up there at that time and maybe Interplast through BFS. But there was no real brands other than Azek. They were really the brand dominant player at that time. So You had faith in your skill set to produce. And well, and I also knew I had people I knew, right. a network of individuals mm -hmm. who were good enough that they could help me out, especially shop floor like on the guy guys in the shop floor and guys that could be the superintendent who knew he could put his hands on this thing. Right, yeah. And had the talent and the skills. All the pieces. All the, all the pieces fell together and then, you know, the big piece missing was a VP of sales or you know, who are we going to get that's going to take that position and Again, everything happens for a reason. Here's a guy from uh, LP, works for Weatherbest Decking. That's his line. He's a national sales manager for Weatherbest Decking, Rick Capers. And uh, here in Pittsburgh, wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Really never had an opportunity to really show his talents, I think. And he comes on board and does a phenomenal job. I mean, I walked into places where people didn't want to see us. 
and they'd come out. Rick have his arm around the guy. They're kumbaya <laughs> and stuff, man. They're like, they're like, good me. I mean, I, I didn't have that skill set, but he had it, and he was really good at it. So you surround yourself with and, and the business with really good people to know that you're going to get there, and, and that was a key to our success going forward. And I think you treat. I've life. seen your office. I've seen how you interact with everybody in the building. You don't. You treat them really well, like family. You, have to. you, have you treat to. them like you talk about the way you treat them. You know, a lot of people yeah. say we do this, and then if you go inside right. that world, act, it doesn't add up. What you say, your your actions are reflective of what you say. Well, you're only as good as the people you have working for you. I mean, we wouldn't be the company we are today if it wasn't for the people. I don't care if it's a guy who, I don't care if it's Nancy who cleans the offices and also works in the shop floor, the guy that's in the line, the operators, the maintenance guy. It doesn't matter who they are. The guys, our sales all guys. All part of the team. It's all part of that team, and you got to take care of what the big companies today don't get, and I'm, I'm convinced of this, they t- they pinch pennies at the level of their employee benefits thinking they're going to save a lot of dollars. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that that's really who they are as those people. Mm-hmm. You can put all the equipment out there you want. Right. And you can automate, but you still got to have your eyes on it. And you got to have people who are compassionate and committed to it. And you got to take care of them, be it profit-sharing programs, 401K, good medical plans, Plans where if they come up with an entrepreneurial idea, you give them money. You don't give them five, ten thousand, or you don't give them five hundred bucks. You give them five thousand bucks because they came up with an idea that's saving you maybe hundreds of thousands of bucks. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to do even more than that, but you do what you can. You have cookouts for them to say, "Hey, hey like family, you, you, you do waffle days." I cook Belgian waffles maybe once or twice in the winter time. I cook about one hundred ninety Belgian waffles for all all the shifts. See, I would like to so do it. We we were at your plant and <laughs> we're sitting on the you know. A pile of material and we're ready to you know take some f- photos and videos and i i i noticed that you're like are you guys thirsty and i'm like probably sweating all over myself and you're like i'm gonna go get you a drink like it says a lot about you know because oh, okay. you are you're you're not the type of person who'd be like why don't you guys go inside and get yourself a drink you're like let me go get you one and yeah. you, don't, you don't have to be that person no you don't that's well that's just i guess it's my upbringing how i grew up like last night I'd rather have you guys go and do your thing, and I'll work with Nancy to clean up the upstairs. It was easy. I mean, you guys got stuff to do. You're here in Pittsburgh. You're here for only a short period of time. You need to have enjoy the time you're here. I'm here all the time. So for me to spend an extra hour or two cleaning up, what's the big deal? It's, but it's just it's but my I'm saying it's but not shows, the norm. Yes. It's not the norm, and okay. I believe it's— And that's, that, that goes to show how you treat everybody in your, in your building that's, or around you that you do business with. That's why all the guys that are driving the forklifts around. Hey, John. Like, that's not normal in really? in a business of this nature. Okay. You know what I mean? You know what I'm yes. talking about. Like in a corporate center of that magnitude, even yeah. though it's not like humongo, yeah. it's still big enough to where you walking through there, they shouldn't feel, or in most people's case, they shouldn't feel like they can just be like, hey, John. They're supposed to. In our plan, they in my to. opinion, that that's what that's what makes the environment what it is, is because you're showing them how you do it, and if you do it, then they'll do it, and, and they, then they'll and treat your customers. Done, and they should be talking to you guys when you're in the plant. Too. Yeah, they and he should. did. We were mm-hmm. we were busting up with a couple of guys. The guys like laughing yeah. about the drone. That oh yeah, I saw it go down. I'm, I didn't try. I didn't drive over it. It's all good. You know what I mean? Like that's cool. But. But there's, uh, that's what they're, they, well, I want them to interact. I want them to hear what people have to say about the product they're making. Because the problem is they don't get a chance to see and hear. Our sales team, 
I'd like to see them interact more with operations and, and send them in pictures and send them in jobs. That's why we have that TV there with project, the, the beauty shots. Because mm -hmm. if the sales guys can't get it to them, we're going to get it to them in some fashion. So they can see what they're making and what it's being turned into. So that's it's not it's not like it's uh, foreign or like, well, uh, I don't know, where's all this stuff going? I want them to know where it's going. I want them to know who their customers are. I'll go out in the shop floor and I'll say, that stuff for so-and-so. Uh, let me tell you what they do with it. They're making Newell Post out of it. And here, let me tell you what a Newell Post is. Now, he could be making it using our one-piece column wrap, but he does it in four pieces. That's okay. That's what he wants to do. But that's one of the guys it goes to. Or if I see there's a new market coming up, a new market opportunity, I like to share it with them because I want them to feel as part of the team. Once a quarter. Well, they are, and I believe you do a good job at showing them they are. And that's why it plays. <laughs> that's why it plays that way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, is what you're – like doing I, I had a customer um we built a porch for simple porch um and that was something that they always wanted and we i get a call a couple months later and uh the lady's crying on the phone she's like uh my husband died and this is the reason you guys put this porch on he loved this so much i want to thank you for building it so those guys that are at the detail level of production for you you know, this could change somebody's whole, you know, they're maybe dying from cancer and, and they build a spot that they love, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. they, and they oh. enjoy it. So they don't get to see that. They just get to see the production. Well, what we a couple of things. I'm not trying to toot our horn as a Go company, but uh, we had a guy, one, one, of our first, one of our first guys that came working for us, uh, Ernie Davies. Uh, I used to make all the samples. So when we ran the, we started this operation, we were a double wide trailer. I would work my normal day to four o'clock or 4.30 or five, whatever it may be. And at 5 o'clock, I would then start making all the samples. I'd cut them, label them, box them, and then have them ready to go out the door because we couldn't afford at that time to hire someone. So I stayed there as long as I had to. All the samples were made. Plus, I got me a chance to see what was going on in the plant. Ernie came in, and he became our sample guy. Uh, great guy. Uh, unfortunately, he loses his wife. She has a gallbladder surgery and dies unexpectedly. At that point, Ernie kind of lost, uh, I think, a... Uh, a will to want to live or really have a nice life. And you could see irony deteriorating over the years. And uh, well, let me jump back. Excuse me. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Ernie's wife passes away unexpectedly. They are in tough financial straits. He can't afford a funeral. And also, I tell my partner, I said, we need to pay for the funeral. It's important we take care of this. And I said, if you don't want to get involved, that's fine. I said, but I will take care of it. I called my wife. I said, Ernie passed away. Or Ernie's wife passed away, so that's too bad. I said, he can't afford it, so I'm going to take care of it. And if my partner wants to help, he does. If he doesn't, I really don't care. But we're going to make sure it's all taken care of anonymously, as if it's been taken care of by Versatech, not by me. I don't want him to know that. And uh, we took care of it. Uh, my partner didn't. I, I handled yeah. it myself. The right thing is always the right thing. Yeah. So we did that. And we had another guy who's daughter uh, uh young daughter i think she was probably a year maybe less old and passed with that uh sudden death mm -hmm. syndrome uh and uh, we had a big fundraiser for him and so that's to me is part of the family you take care of the people inside for sure we had a guy in florida i talked about the embezzlement case yesterday mm -hmm. we sent ernie ernie decided to go down and help him out he's a good customer of ours so it's all part of being a family i mean i don't care if it's your customer, your employees, who, your suppliers, whoever's in that channel, it's working together. And you just, because you're going to get a lot more done that way than trying to do it yourself.
Yeah. So the risk you took, in your eyes, it wasn't a risk, but to most people, it would be like, uh, no. Right? To start this business. It was a calculated execution. Calculated execution. That's what it was, you know? Like, you... you we knew that no one else was in the space. We we knew that we could do it. We felt we could do it. And we said, once we get started, let's see how we can differentiate ourselves and make us different. That was really the key, was Amazing. how can we be different than the number one brand out there. And the first thing came up was tolerance. Tolerance and square edges was like, and they kept saying, really? I said, yeah, because as a dad who did some remodeling work, that's key. They don't we want two boards that's going to butt together and there's not going to be offset. And if I'm going to run that board through some kind of a planer or a molder, I don't need a flat spot because I missed it because it wasn't thick enough. Now the whole board's junk. I said, so that's key. So we produced four or 500,000 pounds of scrap. Now we're a new startup operation. That's how much scrap we produced mm. before we even got to the point of making good product. Now we produced so much scrap we couldn't grind it like we do today. So we sent it to a local grinder who happened to also grind up Happy Meals, <laughs> the toys. So it started so smelling happened, like no, Mickey no. D's in there. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, here's, here's the problem. Like he, didn't, he didn't clear out his equipment. <laughs> oh, no. And the colors that were used in the Happy Meals, there were still some chips in the, in the grinder, and it got into our white chips. Mm. So when we sucked it out and put it on the line, we get color streaks in our product so we had to get that situation straightened out but we blew through eventually all the scrap and got our tolerances where we wanted them and then the next big thing that came up the real the real impetus i think for us to be the differentiators and innovators was stealth trim which came from a couple contractors at the jlc show in providence came up to said i'm datoing out this piece of one by four in the back uh, five quarter by four in the back i'm datoing it here and i'm putting a little slot here for your siding into here he goes can you How do it? How old would you say that guy was? How old do you think that guy was? I'd say he was probably late 40s, mid okay. to late 40s. And I said, yeah, we can do that. Not a problem. I said, so if we do it, you'd want to buy it. He goes, damn right, we'd buy that stuff. <laughs> and I, I said, bought it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. in 06, I used to buy it all the time. So I said, okay. And we had a guy that was, uh, uh, there was a guy over in uh, Philadelphia area that we actually called the one, it was Darby or Derby Trim, some little mm -hmm. place over there that was the first one to tell us about trim with just a nail flange slot only. But anyway, we created three different pieces, put them out there in the marketplace, really pushed them, and that was the impetus of us being creative and innovative. Uh, but you were, You're trying to advance the, the world, which is what, what well, led you to this point. So what right? you're saying is you listen to a lot of people. Listen to the contractors, because that's our customer base. <laughs> we're not going to listen. Who are we going to listen to? We think we know how to design everything. No, no, no. Those are the guys. They do it every day. Yeah. So what do we have to do to make they them tell you what they easier want. to do? Mm -hmm. Give them a better product. I mean, whether it's the two-by that we do today. I came from a contractor on Long Island. Uh the column wrap came from a lot of different guys. That That's was huge. huge. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, the stealth products, the, uh, the starter piece that we use, the skirt board piece, uh, each piece came from some interaction. The canvas series happened to come from our OEM up in Ohio. Bill Sandrock says, John, there's this guy down the street doing this laminating thing. you got to go see it. I think you may have something here. <laughs> and we had always wanted to put out a patio ceiling that gave it a work look of a wood grain look to it. Uh, so I go look at it and I see he's put it on MDF and I said, whoa, that's, this is it. So I grab a piece of his stuff and I go running back to the office and I get you know, going to Rick Caper's office and I said, 
I got this. I know what we're going to do now. This is it. That product where he has the the, uh, the laminate, our our product, we're launching. We got it, and we yeah. went forward with it. Can you talk about speed? Because well, speed it to market seems like you are uh, time frame to market quick with decisions. Like you liked it, you brought it in, you made it, and it's out. If our yeah, we have a contractor council, they look at it real fast, give it their opinion, or we'd go even do a test project real quick, and away we went. So on on Canvas series, uh, gosh, we we once we got and said we we're going to do it, which was in like March, April, because it was no February, because I was up there February. We said okay, we see the stuff, we like it, we get product to them, we get four colors identified. Uh, that we like, or three colors at that time, fourth comes later. Uh, we know what product we're going to put it on. We get them to make samples. We then make the production, and away we launch in nine months later. We're on the road. Now, that was our hardest. All the other launches, probably less than six months, probably three to six months we launched them. That's cool. I mean, we yeah. were, I mean, stealth product was go back to the plant, make them, baby. That was That's probably a month. That's too slow for you probably, right? Yeah. The six the, month? Yeah, the month was really good. <laughs> I mean, I like to go, I like to go fast. <laughs> yeah, and the skirt board was probably a month. We got. We saw it on a... A Maybach siding up in Canada, they used a starter piece. I said, man, that looks nice. That'd be great with fiber cement. Brought a piece back. We started making it like two weeks later. We Once we got the tooling in, away we went. So, And we, we do that all the time. So let's switch gears a little bit because, um, okay, so what do you think, what do you think is like what makes John Pace go? Because, I mean, you didn't, for one, the way you run, is above average first off because like you're talking about you're mad at the turnaround i think you're saying month. what are the the old the values that you hold right is that what you're asking um yeah i guess maybe or just the fact like what 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 makes you get up and go every morning like that's a, what people a challenge a challenge uh we're not the number one brand we're number two uh not that I want to be the number one brand, but I want to always. But you know, be, there's room for improvement. But I know that we can do better, and I always yeah. want to challenge them to try to make us better. It's great uh, practice. So it's it's that it's my work ethic. My dad and my mom instilled the work ethic in me. I I can't even go out and play golf during the week without feeling guilty of playing golf. I mean, that's truthful. I can't go out on a Friday as much as I want to, and I do it once in a while. Like I'll probably try to go out next Friday afternoon because I'm gone all week. Right, right. But. I can't go out and feel relaxed. I feel like I'm I'm kind of cheating the company because I haven't put in that Friday afternoon when I should be there at the office. I think it's more than the company. I think it's you. you I mean, I know it's me. me I feel like I, I'm I'm letting down the overall scheme of things down. Whether that's my yeah. family or the people that are relying on me on any other level, yeah. and that's business, your wife. Yeah. Even with this, so so we're gonna wrap this up by six thirty, so you can have your time with your wife, Cause and because you've been gone, like that's how our lives pretty much run. I definitely agree with that, in, in that sense, anyway. Earlier, you said you have um, you run by a code of old fashioned values. Yeah. Um, I can tell you when I started this business, I started going to church every morning. Really? Before I even yeah, I I started. I'd go to mass, and not just because I'm Catholic, but it was a time to where I could just think of what I want, you know, just think and ponder and things of life and, and God and family and the whole bit. And I would start every day. I dropped my daughter off to go to Catholic school at, at uh, North Catholic. That's where the bus stop was, right next to our church. And I started, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to start going to church every morning. And I started going and I said, man, I really like this. It, 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 I, may, I feel so good getting out there now and starting working. 
and I know this sounds strange, and people probably will turn off this podcast when they hear this. But I doubt it. But yeah, I, I doubt it. We don't got them kind of people. Okay, no. so I'm like, yeah, I well, came away with it. more ideas on how to fix things when I left church in the morning that I'd get on the phone with Sean and say, hey, I think I got a solution to that problem. I said, it just came to me. And I said, I want to share it with you before I get. So it got to a point at, at uh, the company, Sean would say, Hey, don't stop going to church, man. This <laughs> just keep going. Keep going, man. Because this he found his white space. By the way, just go. Yeah. He found so, his go white right space. now. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so I, exactly. I went and and actually, my wife, who was really busy with the kids, once the kids got grown up enough, then she started going. So this morning, before I went to have my thing with Zach, I was in mass at six thirty this morning, and I spent uh, at half hour mass. Uh, uh, they read the gospel and all the things in, and I felt good. Came to work. You go. It's just the time. It's so yeah. So. And I'm I'm big on honesty. I hate I hate people that don't are not honest. Tell me what you feel. If you don't like, there's some people that'll tell you your face and they make you feel like you're really good. But behind you, they really don't yeah. like it. And I've mm -hmm. I've been in business. I've seen that where a guy loves our product, but he only loves it until the other guy fixes problems. He's going right back to him. Just tell me what you really think. I, I don't want to beat around the bush. I hate that. If you don't, it's a good value. and and my wife hates me for that because <laughs> mine too. I'm so honest. <laughs> mine. I'm so honest, and she goes, "You're so insensitive." She goes, "You know that's that's yeah exactly." You're so insensitive. She goes, "You know, not everybody can 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 deal with it the way you talk to them." I said, well, "You know what? That I don't give a crap. That's who I am." But it's also because you're not. <laughs> it like comes across in that sense, but you know you're not there. But it, I don't know. I feel that a lot of times in those situations, it's because maybe I've had the same conversation a hundred times, or I've had yeah. it five times, or and then I get frustrated. And usually, when you're frustrated, you don't make good decisions. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I like Kurt because he'll be like, "Nope, you're an idiot," and I'll be like, "Nope, you're an idiot." Like, you know, we go back and forth. And yeah, it won't even matter. Like, it's, it's okay to go back. But I, I like to surround myself with people that are truthful as well. I, and and one of the things that I do in, in, within my business is I tell them, I said, "Listen, I'm not always right. I want you to tell me when you think I am I, uh, wrong, because yes. I'm not always right. And I got, I need your back on that because I need you to go up against me." I do. I agree 100%. I tell the guys, hey, here's my idea. But if, idea, but if you think I'm full of crap, tell me I'm full of crap. I don't want to hear yes, because that's not going to make us a successful company. I don't, I don't need that. If you have a better idea, you're out there every day, tell me what you think. This is just my thoughts. Right. But the ultimate decision ends with you. Oh, yeah. Is made by you. But all that feedback that you get, you want it to be real feedback, not BS. Yeah. Right, because then you go in the wrong direction, and yeah. everyone loses, including all their families. Plus, I can, as as you're as an owner of a business, or as you, as you you don't out there every day, you know, in the in the trenches doing stuff in the plant floor. So you see things. You can stand back and you can look at things and see them in a different perspective. I'll give you an example. We have this uh, the, on the extrusion lines. We have screws and barrels on our line, and on our one line, we were seeing these flow marks. It was kind of really crazy. These, these crazy flow marks. And they had gone through everything. They tested everything in the line. But the one thing they didn't test was the barrels and screws. I said, you guys have had all your chances. Now it's my chance. I said, tear down, tear out the barrels and screws, and let's look at them. Well, they did. And they found out that the gearbox has an oscillation issue once they pulled the screws out. They found out that something happened to the screw that it looked like someone had taken it. Now think about this. The screw is probably yeah, 8 to 10 inches in diameter. And it looked like someone had actually twisted it inside the extruder. I mean, you know, the kind of pressure had to be on oh, that to do that. Amount. So now all of a sudden we say, ah, now we know the problem. So rather than, a lot of times, rather than, I'll let them 
have some line, do mm -hmm. your thing. Yeah. But when it comes to the, okay, you, you haven't fixed it. Let me give you my suggestion. Let's see if this will work. I may be wrong, right. and I've been wrong a lot. Right. But I'm going to at least throw but up some ideas. They're your, they're your wrongs. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's your loss. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid to look like they're losing or they're a loser or they were wrong, where I believe that's not the no. case with you at all. And plus, I think. And I don't look at things when you make a mistake as being wrong. I look at it as a learning curve. I've just learned yep. something I didn't know before. Correct. So the next time that happens on the line, voila, I've learned from it. Right. You're like, I think I know what the problem is. Yeah. 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 I agree, too. But, yeah, Very truth, relevant. being truthful, going to church, being, you know, you, you, you not value lying. truth, yeah, not true. lying. Honesty. Um, uh, let's see, what else am I big at? Uh, I love people who are hardworking, dedicated. And I want people to like what they do. I, I tell people in our office, and this is other businesses I've been in, if you don't like what you're doing, if you're going to come here and you're just grouchy and complaining all the time, find something you like to do. Mm -hmm. Don't come here and pretty much penetrate through all the other people and your ideas and kind of bring them down to your level. We don't need that. We want people who really enjoy what they're doing. So go find something else. Right. Uh, I guarantee it's out there. But uh, it's really that simple, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But it's coming down to is, yeah. Don't let you're it. honestly just upset with yourself, so you're trying to bring everybody else down because of it. You know, because yeah. you're having a, you're having a bad time, no matter what that might be, whatever. Yeah. That, maybe it's even something personal, but then they're coming every day and messing up the work zone or just the general flow of everything, which is never I good. I find some man. people that aren't truthful, they'll take a position because they need to make money. They end up hating it, and then they never, or they're in the position, they love it, but they never come to you and they say, hey, I think I'm, like, really valued. Maybe I should, you know, maybe I'd, I'd like a raise. This is what my life looks like right now. A lot of people aren't very forward with that. They don't know how to approach that, and they feel like right. uh, they're in that situation where they just need a paycheck, or they're in that situation where they feel like they're undervalued, and they never step up. So I'm always afraid of that. That's a good point, Ryan. I agree with 100%. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have my brothers also who kind of, I have my older brother. He always wonders, why are you still working? You don't have to work. Why are you working? I said, because I like what I'm doing. Yeah. Plus, I have my son in the business. My son-in-law's in the business. I get to interact with people, young and old. I see things that I wouldn't see otherwise. And I'm still able to you know, use my brain and, and, and develop things. And I said, it's, to me, what I do is, is like creating somewhat, I'm not say a legacy for me, but something when I leave uh, you know, this world, I'll know that I help create this. I help people be able to go buy a car. Right. I, an example, we had a Christmas party, and one of our employees came up to me and says, uh, uh, John, he goes, you know, we're in the best condo we've ever been in since we've, we've been you know, working in our working yep. history. And it wouldn't have happened had we not been at Versatech. And that makes me feel good because it shows that we have a company, and that means all of us, the whole company has helped people be able to go out and do a condo, go out and buy a nice new car, put new appliances mm -hmm. in their house because we try to give a, a good wage and, and then also... They, they deserved it. Yes. You know, they deserved to get what they had, yeah. but along the way, you they helped you, you helped them. Yes. yes. Right? And uh, one of the bigger things, like you just said, one of my guys, um, he's like, I want to get a house. And one of the things I do with my guys is I'll sit them, pull them aside and be like, what is your lifetime goal that you where you want to end up? And one of my guys is always like, I want to sit on the beach next week. I'm like, well, you got a lot of work to do before you get to that point. It's That's not a, that's not realistic mm -hmm. next year. That's right. But I want to get you there. You know, that's my goal is to get you to your goal. Yeah. But so one of the best things that I saw was he was able to buy a house. This nice. one step closer to oh, what yeah. he's doing, what Perfect. he wants to do. 
So that I mean, it feels good to see that kind of stuff happen in a business, and you have a ton of them. People, how many people do you have? Well, we working? have about uh, almost eighty in the plant, another twenty in the office. That's the hundred there, and then you got about another fifty out in the field in sales. And I'm assuming you're going to uh, continue. We've got another eight sales guys we're going to be putting on in the next uh, probably three to six months. Wow. Uh, but you obviously you two guys run businesses the same way. I can tell just by listening to both of you talk. You <laughs> yeah. have the same principles and values, and uh, and and you run the businesses the but same way. There's not a lot of people that that are like that though. There's a lot of businesses that don't do that. So yeah, it's um, always, I mean it's always good it's, to do. it's there can be businesses where you're brutally undervalued and underpaid, and you're just stu- the, the employees are stuck. Mm-hmm. And they have to just make a paycheck. And that's a bad life for anybody. I agree. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, so what do you think uh, next on the agenda for John Pace is? And this this has nothing to do with verse text, nothing. This is John Pace. Like, what do you, you – you're going to – I plan to stay here as long as uh, they want me around, as long okay. as I feel that I can be of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a five-year plan for the plant. Okay. I would love to see the facility uh, where the current uh, finished goods storage is become a fabrication center. Okay. Where we're fabricating products for the marketplace that need them. Not everyone needs them because we got our millwork guys, our customers. Right. But you have a bunch of customers that don't have that capability or that opportunity or, or that availability. So we can supply those things to them. I want to see us put more extrusion lines in our facility so we can be pumping out more trim to more places. Don't forget... The market is like a $3 billion market, and exterior trim and the interior market is three times the size of that. So the opportunity to grow this market, both inside as well as outside, is pretty big. It may require some new formulations, new changes. But, it will be. And- but, but that's some things I've been looking at as a, maybe there's a, a, a way of developing an interior PVC trim and an exterior PVC trim. You know, people want to cheapen it up. Well, yeah, maybe that's the thing to do for the interior. Take out, you don't need TIO2 because there's no sun issues inside the house. And take out the heat stabilizer and, 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 and replace the PVC with something. You don't have to worry about expansion, contraction. Sometimes you're going to make smoother. You want it feel really smooth. Or I want to no make pores. something that's maybe paintable too and dries in four mm-hmm. hours. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. You but, can, you, you, but see, you're already yeah. going. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? But so stuff there's like there's that. a five year plan for the business, and then there's your plan for life. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's really, you know, how many more years am I going to work? I, I don't know. I don't have that crystal ball. You're, uh, you're just going to go. I'm You'll gonna, be working I, forever. I want yeah, to just go. I want to make sure. I want. I want to start go. spending more time with my wife. That's very important. Now we're going to go away for two weeks for our, our uh, 40th wedding anniversary. We're going overseas, and, and we're going to spend another week down in Cabo. I have a golf thing down there, but she's going to come and that way. Four hours on the golf course. The rest of the time is hers, and awesome. it's really cool. So. Uh, you know, I, I want to start spending more time, and you know, I, I've asked, and, and they've given me more vacation weeks, but they pretty much said you can do take off whenever you need to. We know you'll be committed, but that's hard for me to do. I, it really is. It's hard for me to just take off without saying, well, that's my vacation time. I have a difficult time breaking apart from that. So long term is she's happy, I'm happy. <laughs> but it really comes down she has to be happy. Uh, and if she is... And and she feels that uh, okay, what I'm doing is okay, and she has her grandkids, and I'm home as much as I can be. She's okay with that. Uh, and even then, she's gonna let you know you need to be home more. Yeah, you need to be home more, Johnny. Yeah, she will. <laughs> I guarantee. So as we get older, probably will you know the 
the, the, it's going to, you know, it's going to turn a little bit, you know, the, the wheel's going to spin a little bit more to where I'm going to have to spend more. I, I would love to spend more time with her. And that's just, I have to. You're going to. And, uh, but I won't stop doing things. I, whether yeah. it's working in this, whether it's working in the industry, doing something else, whether it's helping out my boys out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, who have that, uh, way of aging wood, whether it's some other business that someone introduces me to that says, can you help it out without having to spend 16 and 20 hours a day, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I, I won't stop working. It's just I won't work as crazy as I do now. Right. It's part of us, right? Like if yeah. you really... If you're really about that life, John, you know it's you can't turn it off. Oh no! People no. say I go home and I just shut everything. Oh, you can't. No. It's impossible. <laughs> like anybody that says that to me, I'm like, you're lying. You're not. No, shut up. Like legitimately, because I know there's ten times when you go home and over there, I'm like looking at the ceiling. It's awesome, and I'll be thinking about stuff. You know what I mean? It's so annoying. But then that's usually like you had the church time. That's usually, when I'm so frustrated I can't fall asleep, that's usually when it clicks, some sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be sitting there, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Because I get frustrated, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't, I might be asleep. And I'm just sitting here, still can't figure that out. So then I'll start thinking about it. And I think because I'm, like, in relax, or I'm trying to relax, and it's just not working, it makes my brain think better. And then I'm like, oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> Do you get up and you get up and <laughs> all stupid, you know, like wake up like I'm on top of the covers all because I got I fully relaxed yeah. after that. I'll okay. be on the couch like I'll constantly be like I I will sleep sitting up. I'm like who oh, does I, that? I do that a lot. <laughs> I do it a lot. I do. In, this, in my 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 chair in here in my family room, oh, I'll have the computer on my lap. You know, two a.m. in the morning. Where the heck am I, dude? Or out here because this is the best place to sleep in, in September, October. Oh, when it's bet. cool. Out oh, here. I bet. I put the fire on here, right here. Oh man. And oh man, and put the oh. TV on, and I'm just out here laying down. Oh yeah. Chilling. And I don't. I'm not a big TV watcher, but ten o'clock to eleven o'clock is my time to chill. It's when I say, okay, I got to wind up. And you down. feel that with something, whether that's watching the TV, burning a fire, fire whatever Listen it is. to music, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. I, it's a time just to chill and relax. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe maybe turn on or get some old tape I have of some comedy act that I may have, and I'll put that up there, or whatever it may be. I want to laugh. I want to do something. So it's just a time to chill, and it, it stops then. And then I go to bed probably between 11 and midnight, and then I get up about five thirty six in the morning. Yeah, I mean... We were talking about it. So you can, you go to bed at like one o'clock, is what you just said. Not uh, about between eleven and twelve. Eleven twelve. 12 yeah. and you wake up uh, at five. Yeah. What well, is remember five, like five and to I'm six hours? And I'm sure when he That's was all younger, I did too. Yeah. Uh, four maybe. When he was younger, what was it? Yeah, probably even less than that. Yeah. yeah. Especially with kids, because you know you had to come back and you wanted to, you know these. Yep. You have that time, and then back. you have to go do the time, and then you try and make it home before they're asleep, and then if you do get home, the things that you still have. To do because yeah. now you're doing that. When yeah. we, you know what I mean? So then you you hang out with the kids and then they go to sleep and then you try and hang out with the wife for a second and then you try and sit down and, and that's when you... Well, yeah. just, <laughs> dude, what was it? Three days ago I yes. told you. I was like, dude... <laughs> I was eating, I was eating tortellini <laughs> yeah. at like two thirty in the morning because I got home late, right? And I'm like full blown eating it in my lap, like. And then I woke up at like three thirty in the morning, like tortellini, like this. It's, it's in my lap, like <laughs> the, 
I just like passed up like it passed out like in the middle of eating it. Like it was bad, dude. But that's it. we just do it until you can't go no more, right? You're just yeah, like yeah. okay, yeah, but I guess and sometimes you don't even get to say I guess I go to sleep. It's like your body's like, yo, dude, you're going to sleep. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it don't matter. We were talking about time and how sometimes we just we don't even pay attention to it, honestly. We're on like a different time. Like I'll I'll look up I'll work all day, get up five, six o'clock in the morning, work all day, come home, do the thing with the kids, eat, go back to work to like I don't even look at it, and yeah. I'll wake. I'll be like, "Oh, I'm done doing what I had to do," and I look up. It's like two o'clock in the yeah. morning. Wow, you know. Yeah. So I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> well, last night we were up just messing around, like, and then look, we go to sleep, and I saw the clock. I'm like, "Oh, dude, it's four in the morning. Crap, we got that stuff tomorrow." All right, well, cool. Whatever. And then you go yeah. to sleep. You sleep for three and a half hours. You wake back up. You do it all over again. You know, like yeah. it. It is what it is. I don't know. Well, my wife gets all nervous when I say when I give her a call. Say, "Yeah, I'm coming home." I said, I don't need to stay in the hotel. It's something up in, oh, this week I was in Canada. Yeah. I'm leaving Ontario. It's 9 o'clock there, honey. I said, yeah, I know. Yeah. She goes, you're not going to get home till like 1, 1.30. I said, yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, I said, but you know what? The roads will be clear. It'll be sailing. That's smooth true. sailing. <laughs> right on. I said, <laughs> right on. I said, it's easy. I can relax. I'll probably have a, a more comfortable ride Definitely. than if I do it tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. Yep. Trying to get across the Peace River Bridge. So I said, what the heck? Let's sleep. So I pulled there at 1.30. I felt great. Went to bed and got up the next morning, so I loved it. Yeah, it was yeah. Good. that's the way to do that's it. The, that's, that's what we gang- did getting uh, coming up, coming over here. You know. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, that's yeah. the gangster life. Yeah, just, you just do it. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean. You just do it, right? Like it yeah. doesn't matter what. The, that means you're getting an hour of sleep. You're getting no sleep. Yeah. There's been times we've driven places and then you just go. Well, when we started this business, we got no sleep. Right. That's why I have no hair on my head either. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah, that's what you blame it on. Yeah. It might be hereditary, though. And, and I think I, they proved that. I can, I, yeah, I could. It's probably. I can make it. I, you know, the way I drive to it is pretty conservative. Oh, yeah. It's very conservative. Very, You're like a slow, slow very, driver. It's like, it's like, like a constant, like steady, Granny Mobile, yeah, right. like driving Miss Daisy. Yo, just to let you know, guys. Totally joking here. This guy is a maniac. And and if you know me, you know, I'm not a slow driver. I get told all the time, and I don't even feel like I'm. Nuts, but no, me um, and me and Rye were having well, fun following John the other night. I yeah. just tell you that much. I was Jesus. like, man, you got to keep up. He's he's like he's almost. Go- I'm like he's almost gone. <laughs> I was like, dude, <laughs> dude, yo, listen. And I slowed down when I saw you guys were so far back. I backed it down. Oh, yo, no. bro, we're flying around turns in like the woods. It's a 25 mile hour speed. It's and a one way. John's like. Oh, hold on. We'll just cross the train tracks and then hook a left real hard, and we'll just do 40 on that turn. We turn the turn. And right in front of me is, what was it, 25, 30, yeah. uh, 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. I was like, hey, you see that 25? I don't think we're close to that. I <laughs> like, think we might be like, He's leaving us, dude. <laughs> I was like, he's leaving. We got to be with him. Shit. I know all, all the traps are on that road. Yeah, yeah well, oh, plus, well, you're, it's your, it's, it's your it's world. Probably, it's, it's not ours. Eight, eight, ten years driving that road. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know the best. You know you can go 90 around that curve. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. If you just get hugged the corner, you know. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I'm telling you, when we hit the, it was the little we hit that turn today, and I knew it was that turn. I was like, "Yo, this is the John. Where this is the, this is the, this is the turn where John almost lost us, bro." I can tell. Look, we did the little hop over, and then it hooks oh, left. Oh, it's that left one. turn. Yeah, it's the it's whoa. where it's where the road goes down and yeah. it goes straight, uh, and it's straight isn't much room there. Oh and then yeah, you that and then it hooks turn. left, and then you go down a little further, hooks Some again, skills. and comes back. Oh so you're, yeah, you're not a professional driver. And it's like a one lane road. My truck takes oh, up yeah. the whole thing. And he's uh, like, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I had a good time. So, it was I mean, good it, but you know, 
people that drive like that, I'm sure, also live their life like that. <laughs> I've, I've slowed down a lot, believe me. No. I really have. <laughs> me too. Well, have then I'm I afraid of too. you. <laughs> me too. Really? Ask my wife. I, uh, and I am yeah. a lot slower than I used yeah. to. I have. I backed off. That's what Kurt said, too. And then I looked down. He was driving 95 here. <laughs> He's like, I don't even drive Nothing. fast. I'm like, what are you talking about, no, dude? No, I mean, on a, high, on a highway, I, I'm pretty much, I'll, I'll put it right at 75, and maybe I'll crank it to 80, but I'm not going to go over 80. I'm not going to do it. I just, it's not worth it. Anymore. Right, me neither. Anymore. Yeah, 95. I uh, what? Who's lying? Okay. We have no proof of that shit. Uh, okay. right. well, I'm just being honest. Wait, hold on. We got here in like yeah. three hours. Oh, that's what, he's lying again. I am. You but, made over here in three hours? No, no. We no. stopped. We, we, we originally had a time to get here uh we left at what, ten? I don't remember. Eleven. We got here like I don't know four four thirty, but it originally said four thirty, and we stopped at like a rest stop for like an hour. Mm-hmm. No, and we still beat the yeah, time of four thirty. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, I'm it wasn't you. me though. No, it was him. Oh yeah, he was driving. Mm. He's a fast driver drive. guy. It's amazing how many people I've met on Instagram. It's kind of cool, you know. I'm changing the subject on you guys. That's cool. I go ahead. That's what it is. You know, it's, I mean, meeting you, meeting Ryan, meeting yourself. Uh, I mean, we never met each other. Anyway. We never met. Nope. No. And then know. all these other guys, you meeting John Paul and Brendan and even Wilson Lumber yesterday. I mean, I, I knew the, the I knew Sloan. I knew his dad Roy because they're a customer of ours. But uh, it's really been cool. And you know, I'm even meeting via Instagram. I've met them personally. Some Azet guys are now followers, and uh, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's fun really to be dude, a lot of fun. The interaction is what's cool. You know, it's the, the, yeah. the, the common interests that bring people together. Because we do two totally different things. We even me and Ryan, but at the same time, we have that thing that binds us as far as like a, a thought process or a common whatever value structure, a mindset. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and sometimes it's multiple things that are combined. It's like, oh yeah, I like that about yeah, like that about yeah. We could totally talk about that because then you find that common interest and you can expand on that. It, it you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it drives that. I, I think it's cool. Prior to having the Instagram, it was you went to the bar. Yeah. You hung out and you met people at the bar. Hopefully they were local businessmen or whatever, yeah. or they were somebody that could help you and you could help them. Yeah. Right. And that's how you connected. Um, and then the old school style was you just never talked to your competition. You never. hated them. You never talked to anybody in a different kind of, um, you know, like uh, if I'm doing roofs, I don't talk to the guy that's framing houses. Like typically that's not an interaction that would happen. Mm-hmm. Now there's a bunch of guys who are understand that, that this is a trade, that if if they're smart enough, they can listen to other people and take bits of information and, and create value for themselves and then maybe give value to them. And then all those people are kind of in the same mindset. And so Instagram just kind of, uh, I don't think it was intended to do that. But gave us a place to all kind of see each other mm-hmm. in different states. Sort of no. like a bridge. Yeah. Now if we could start, now if we could start using it to educate, that would be the next big thing. It's That's got, true. It's got to go a different yeah. direction. Yeah. But I, I, but anyway, getting away from that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I believe education comes from from information yeah. that's factual. So, as far as you know, what I mean, like by stuff operating. Mm-hmm. It's going to build that because then yeah. it'll be the new whatever that is. And by its reaction, it'll create what people, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. We, have a, we have a good customer that I never, again, this guy I never would have met if it wasn't for Instagram. And it was our sales guy who met him. And then I went out and met uh, executive architectural millwork. You probably see him, mm-hmm. Bobby Cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bobby. And I met, I went to the Bobby shop and, and there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. It was pretty quiet. And I know he was just trying to get started. 
And because of the interaction with Verse, and he was actually using another product at the time. I won't say who that product is. And uh, uh, Bobby was pretty committed to them because it was a friend of his. But we showed him what we could do. We had him come to trade shows with us, and we introduced him to people uh, who gave him quotes and everything else. And we helped him develop, and he helped sell our price. So it was a, it was a joint partnership. We sell, he sells. We're both doing we real well. That's right. So great example of how Instagram has, and I believe him, our sales guy, man, through Instagram, pretty sure, but how it was used and how it's now benefited two people both the manufacturer as well as the producer. And yeah. it's been phenomenal. I wouldn't have met him, and he's in right. my neighborhood, like yeah. basically 10 minutes, minutes away, away from me. Would have never talked to him in my entire life. Yeah. No. Yes, I, I mean, I knew about him. You yeah. know, I knew about the business because it's local business. Yeah. You know, you see it here and there, stuff like that. Yeah. He's on a main road for the, you know, his building's on a main road. But I probably hmm. I wouldn't know Ryan like I do uh, today. And I, w- and I wouldn't have been like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, why don't you come over and we'll hang out? I would have, no. Yeah. So, yeah. the meetups, the first time I actually, um, second time I met him was at one of the meetups Brian did. And it was, was me the, and Brian's thing when Brian came to visit. Oh, okay. That was when me was and Sarah, him connected again. Was Sarah again. there too? No, nah. it wasn't Sarah. Nah, it so, was, you okay. facilitated the, first, the interaction. Ah, okay. Technically. Yeah, because yeah. Brian Brian's came great. down. Brian's great. That was when I first met him. And I told him, why don't you come down? We'll hang out, maybe get some guys together. Yeah. And then some guys came out, and Goob was one of them. Mm-hmm. I met this guy, I met Curtis, at a meetup here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. We were, I was actually with customers. We had some people come in town and uh, for going through the plant, potential future customer, I believe it was. And uh, we went out to dinner with them. It was probably about 9 o'clock, and I'm getting in my car, and I know Brian has got some meetup guys. I don't know who they are. Oh, yeah, I met you at the plant. This yeah. guy, Curtis and Brendan. They're down in the south side. They got a couple other guys from Pittsburgh. They're having a little meetup. And I say, Brian, you want me to come down? Is it worth me coming down? Is it something I should? Yeah, you come on. You got to be down here. <laughs> Sound like Brian. So, so I went down. I flew down. You know, I got down in my car, got there, and uh, sat around, hung around. We just talked. And that's when I introduced Curtis to Golden Tea. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know. I kicked his ass. Yeah. <laughs> kicked his ass, dude. Well, now he won't tell you about that, though. Yeah. He won't tell you about that. He'll yeah, just really. tell you how he like beat me by like 10 <laughs> strokes or something. And that's just bullshit. Just letting you know. John's a shit talker. <laughs> but that's how we first met. And we started talking more and more dialogue. Heck, actually more than Brendan, actually. Because I mean, Brendan well, being an ambassador. But we talked more than I talked with Brendan. I think we sort of communicate developed you know in the early stages there you know we start talking and then yeah. it just sort of fell into yeah. like it's the norm like yeah. I, I have no problems calling you yeah. just like i call ryan like yeah. if i understand there's going to be sometimes i won't answer the phone or I he won't. might text me yeah ryan too like it's just yeah. that's the nature of the animal no matter what place in business you're at that's always relevant because when time comes down to it it's like sometimes your time is like if you're on vacation with your wife you're not going to be answering kurt's phone call mm-hmm. You're like, nope. I'll call him next week. <laughs> Bloop. Or the phone's going to be on airport mode so nobody can call you. Your airplane mode, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. But either way, like, at that point, you're like, Mm-mm. and I'm not like, oh, I got to call John again. I got to call John. I, Come on, John, answer the phone. What are you doing? <laughs> Sending you a text. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. Anyway. I try to call weird. within 24 hours of someone calling me. Uh, now, sometimes I screw up because there's too many voicemails there and I may miss Dude, them, but I try to. Life. I know. 
And so somebody so that gets, that's what I mean. If somebody gets upset about that, they're weird. So now you're on Instagram. You met all these guys. Well, you weren't on Instagram originally. Uh-huh. And uh, now you are as of a couple months ago, right? Yeah, I, I'm just shy of 300 followers right now. And I've only been on about a month and a half probably. Okay. Yeah. Six, so six maybe eight weeks. I don't think eight weeks. So you're figuring out that uh, there's a lot of crazy, crazy yeah, there's dumb stuff, stuff, funny stuff, like serious stuff. <laughs> you, you've got to kind of uh, work your way through, through, through the forest, yeah. okay? Uh, and pick the things that really have some meaning to you, or people you want to interact with and you want to learn more about. So yeah, you pick and choose. And uh, but I think it's it's a great platform. I think it's really nice, and I've learned a lot from it. And I've tried to help by putting out things out there where I'll actually challenge someone. I'll put a uh, I'll put a picture out and there's something wrong in the picture. I say, so what's wrong with this picture? Yeah. What's missing? Or what they do wrong? And try to see if people will feedback. A lot of times I put things out where I said, hey, uh, you know, it's, it's all about the chemical composition of cellular PVC. If you want to learn more, co- contact me. Yeah. At and J- they can just direct message you. But they, they don't. I don't get well, those. I've well, not had one yet. Maybe they're afraid that you're not approachable. Maybe. And, and but wow. nobody, you know what I mean? Because wow. well, that's unfortunate. Cause well, I, it, that's I, a problem. But a lot of people are like that. There was also here's a question: on your Instagram, how would people understand that you're approachable? That's a good question. I don't know. How would I? Since I you've been on it, what, what I don't do know. I do? What would you? What would you? I think? mean, I'm standing there like this in front of a thing, smiling. Okay, that's my picture. Uh, it says I'm here to help educate the industry and to train, mm-hmm. and to be here to mentor. So that's all part of my little, mm-hmm. my verbiage in there. What else should I say? Say, call me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying I think like with um, uh, more on the lines of like, I believe that in my opinion, I've always told him, stories are very relevant. Um. In that, you know, usually helps people understand you on a personal level because it's more of like the uncut, you know, non-filtered stuff. But right. other than that, I don't, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I was just wondering what you thought you were doing to provide that to people yeah, as like, hey, I'm pro- – because yeah. I believe your your page is very professional. It's very nice. What Like, okay, so like what you're uh, trying to communicate is being communicated. You know, you're trying to – Help people understand stuff about certain things and also show, like, cool practices inside your world. You know, stuff of that nature, which is awesome. But I'm saying, as far as, like, getting the, like, not everybody, like, interaction, even yeah. interaction. You know? It's you. just, like, the, some people just look, they're there to look you. at cool pictures, I you know? You. You're right. You're right. I met some guys this week that I follow all the time. I watch them, but I never uh-huh. interact with them. I was able to do that here this week. We have really good conversations. And some guys I didn't even meet, but, like, we don't on a, on, on a day-to-day basis, I don't interact with them. Um, which was cool about the meetup. So I thought that was the best meetup I've been to. And I didn't get to go to the one in Connecticut, which I heard was pretty good, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, what it was all about over there. I think it was a little different. But this one was the first time I actually heard people exchange ideas and talk and philosophy and a dialogue where everyone was jumping in. I mean, I think it could have went on for a lot longer. I liked that part of it. I yeah. did feel it was very good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel that's common ground in in the meetups and I believe a lot of people don't realize it, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's how we met. Like, what do you think that, you know, I just randomly started talking, hey, right, yeah, <laughs> dude. Like, like no, you, you know, you, you establish relationships through those conversations that yeah. you have. Some people just go to them to see people. Oh, it's all this guy, you know, but it's more about like, 
figuring out some things. You might be able to learn something from anyone, yeah. or you could possibly help somebody. They might randomly ask you a question, or they could overhear you talking to someone else, yeah. and it could like help their life, and you had no idea. Right. You know? I agree with you. I don't know. That's why I'm... I mean, we go all over the place for these things, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. because of that. Because I, yeah. I think it's very underappreciated, so to speak. Well, like I went to the one in, out in Lansdale, wherever the heck it was out there, uh, the one in, near Philly. I mm-hmm. was at one. Uh, Pittsburgh, this one here. I didn't make Connecticut, but I'm going to try to make more of them when I can. I want to see the content of them. I knew what Brian was going to do. I want to see what they are before I go, though. To make sure, yeah. Well, you, you, <clears throat> yeah, and then you plan out the trip. Obviously, you got a busy schedule anyway. You can. Well, I can plan around. I can actually go there, do business, and still go to the meetup. So, I mean, especially where a lot of these guys are in the eastern part of the United States. That's where. That's where you're at all the time, business, anyway. That's where yeah. our business is. <laughs> that's where you're at. Uh, that's the strength of our business. So, yeah, we can definitely do that. Um, Kurt is running away. Oh, um, so with the, with the podcasts, um, and the, then an Instagram and, um, I don't, you guys have a Facebook. Yes, we do. Um, and you guys just, uh, what I've probably just heard today, wants a new website that's up and running. Yes. Um, so you're doing all these things, um, on that side. And I don't think a lot of, a lot of businesses, uh, look at that as, valued oh we do yeah big i mean brian is our uh, social media field manager uh, a lot of companies probably wouldn't even do that but we see real value in what he's done and and we've we've actually seen it both tangible as well as intangible so tangible we can actually point to things that have happened because of social media that wouldn't have happened mm. otherwise that has been uh helped us in terms of sales growth dealer growth contractor-based growth. Not that that's what we're after. I mean, if that's an outcome of it, that's great. Right. Uh, people introducing our product to people that would no longer, not even seen it. Ali, who came up from Florida, had no idea what PVC trim was. Thought it was great. Yeah. It was super. So all those things to me are, are just part of it, part and parcel to being part of social media. We, I believe that PVC trim, to really grow it, it has to get into the, to where the consumer understands it. So Facebook, to me, is a channel, and I'm not the expert, this is our marketing department doing it, and Brian doing it. Facebook is that channel to introduce the consumer to our product, to the management team, to who are the people behind the product, and those kind of things that go with it. So on Facebook, we have like a contractor's Facebook and uh, basically a consumer Facebook. Right. Uh, we have Instagram. We do Vimeo. We do Twitter and uh, whatever else they do over yeah. there. And then we have our website, which they're always doing to try to upgrade it and make it just that much special compared to what's out there. And the current website, I think, is super. You like it? I like it a lot. Did it just re-roll? It just rolled out today. Yeah? It's very nice. You got any cool features that you'd like to expound upon? Uh, no, because I haven't had time to really spend on it. Okay. Uh, what I do, I do like the technical data section. Uh, all the PDFs are listed in a row, and it's very easy to just grab one and look at it. So I kind of like that, but it's going to take time to navigate it to really get a good feel for it. But it is informative on there? Oh, very informative, yes. Well, I mean, same as our contractor handbook. Everything we try to do here in this business is all about trying to inform people how to do things to make it better. I mean, whether it's you know the AquaSure Tech Paint or what fasteners to use or sealants or adhesives, 
it's all about training because if they do it right, they're going to get a good project. The homeowner is going to love it. The con- you know, they're going to get paid and everything's going to be fun. And, and we're going to have a, a, a contractor or a builder is going to say, I love the product. And I'm going to keep using it. Right. It's a win-win for everybody all the way around the board. And- so if we don't educate, we just let them try to hunt and peck and figure it out for themselves and they, and they falter and stumble because we're not doing our job, then shame on us. And as a result, our sales aren't going to be there. I, I believe that's why you're winning. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think training's a big part of it. And I think we'll continue to develop better ways of training. We'll just start. I mean, we'll just, yeah, the, like everything else you've done, just we, advancement. Yeah. yeah. We'll continue to do that. I got you got anything, brother? You have I any wanna know maybe I wanna make sure you don't hit this thing into my head. What are you gonna fly about? into my Who's flying what? <laughs> Nobody's flying anything, dude. You're crazy. Oh, you gotta be what kidding you, right uh, now. Uh, <laughs> you and that thing. You and that like, seriously drone. just Yo, give up on sh- it. Just drone. Thirty dude. minutes in the parking lot. Broke. Put it put it in your hands. No. No hands. Well, I just lost something. You broke it? I did no. break it. I kicked it. Good job. Go. Right. There we go. We're good. Uh, Congratulations. Why don't you just put it in your hand and run through the <laughs> patio here like this? Listen. Oh, we're taking photos. It would be Listen, so much bud. easier. Listen, bud. Listen. You need to upgrade your stuff I need over to break there. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all. Well. Uh, Deuces? Yeah. No, maybe. That's it. Anything you thank wanna, you. Oh, I want to thank you very much. Dude, it was enjoyed a blast, t- Enjoyed the time with you. Ryan. Thank you. Very nice meeting nice you. Meeting enjoyed you. the time with you also. Uh, we'll let you back you. to your wife, huh? Yeah. Before she kicks us out of here. Yeah, before she <laughs> kicks me out, too. I think I hear her yelling I, right now. Well, we're out of here. All right. <laughs>